I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for being here again today. I am very excited this week. This is a, a, a big week in Bellwether and the Irish community. Many people don't realize it, but we are coming up on halfway to St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's a nice little mini celebration that we can do. And uh, going back, I mean, this is 20 years ago. My my siblings and I would go into the city on, on September 17th and uh, have a few drinks and celebrate and people usually looked at us like we were crazy but um the reason we did it was because going into the city on saint patrick's day was just an absolute zoo you can actually have a lot more fun <laughs> if you celebrate it halfway to saint patrick's day um so with that in mind and it's uh you know, people who watch this this podcast know and listen to this podcast know uh i like to be a part of the irish community the irish community is very important to me and I like to do a lot with the Irish community. And I like to highlight people within the Irish community who are doing many different great things. And this is a, a perfect opportunity to, to celebrate a, a great member of the Irish community. I like to call them Irish bellwethers, the leaders. Uh, and that's Bill Riley. Bill uh, runs the Sober St. Patrick's Day Foundation. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, just that little nugget, Sober St. Patrick's Day Foundation sounds, uh, sounds very interesting. Um, <laughs> And, and I wanted him as a guest on here. When I look back on all the podcasts that I've done, far and away, the most popular podcast that people have listened to and the videos they've watched on YouTube and everything all revolve around why I gave up drinking. Uh, and it was a, a productivity thing for me. And it was an, um, you know, listen to the episode if you want. I won't get into that here. But uh, I, I know that there are a lot of people who just want to think differently about the way that they, that they drink. Uh, and, and what better opportunity to do that than on uh, halfway to St. Patrick's Day. So with that, I want to introduce Bill Riley. Bill, thank you for being here and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, great to be here, Jim. Um, I, I'm living the life of Riley up in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Uh, I've spent my whole career as a theater and television producer, but I have a special love for doing uh, one night or one day special events. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a theatrical event, but uh, the difference is with special events, uh, you open and close in one night and get no previews. Uh, so they're the toughest to do well, but I, I take great pride in, in working with a great team of people to do special events. So um, that's, uh, that's part of my life and Sober St. Patrick's Day has become um, very central to it. So tell me about Sober St. Patrick's Day. I wanna know what brought this about, where it came from, what it is, because um, when I think of St. Patrick's Day, uh, and me being Irish, you know, obviously you think of, you know, the color green and shamrocks and everything else. You think of the parade, yeah. but you all, it's a, it's, it's a booze day. Right. And so tell me about sober St. Patrick's Day. Well, you know, it's, it's what we're trying to do. Um, we're not against, you know, people having a drink on the day. Um, we're just dead against the binge drinking and that has really hijacked the day. Um, it's almost like St. Patrick's Day for a lot of people is just, you know, you, you're allowed to get wasted because everybody's doing it. And we've kind of lost the whole real purpose and meaning of the day. And so it's become very personal to me for, for a lot of reasons. Um, and, and I think it's actually in America, more so than in Ireland, that we kind of screwed it up 
uh, literally about 50 years ago when I was a kid um, is when uh, the, the craziness on St. Patrick's Day really began to kick in because in Ireland, you know, when I was a kid, in fact, Noel Kilkenny, our former Council General of Ireland, uh, when he came to the first sober St. Patrick's Day, he was just blown away by the, that, what great talent we had and what a great party it was. And he said, you know, when I was growing up in Ireland, the pubs were closed on St. Patrick's Day. It had nothing to do with alcohol. Um, so it's, it's interesting how my theory anyway is that it's been more in New York and others have followed suit that it has turned into an occasion for binge drinking. And, you know, our mission is, is, is very broad and it's going to take a lifetime because we really want to change the perception and the experience of what St. Patrick's Day can be. And that's a long road to, to, to haul, but um, it's amazing how many people have caught on to this and how it's, it's grown to other cities. So um, it's personal for me as well, because um, uh, I almost lost a, a young family member to addiction um, about 15 years ago. And it really drove home how St. Patrick's Day, particularly among kids, um, has just turned into this license to get wasted. Um, and, you know, more about that if you'd like to know. But it, it, it was a, a moment in my life that totally spun my head around. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's so uh, ever since, it's been, um, it's been a, a blast doing this because, you know, our name is pretty radioactive, but that's intentional. <laughs> and, and, you know, radioactive, and I don't even think radioactive is, um, radioactive sounds like you don't want to touch it, but it, it certainly turns heads. Well, and, yeah. And, and that's great. And I think it's um, thinking differently about it. Um, when I think, so you're coming up on an anniversary of doing this. So, so I want, I've got so many questions that I'm going to go into, but one is I know we've got the why, right? You touched a little bit on the why, and I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that on why you did this. Oh, okay. Sure. But it's also, it's, it's interesting on, you know, the, the sober movement, I would say, is yes. really catching fire beyond it. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm like you, you know, I, I don't preach sobriety. I don't, you know, if you want to have a drink, that's fine. Have a drink, you know, whatever. Uh, but I have seen people who have been affected by it. And I think just about everybody's been affected by it. Yep. So is there a balance between, you know, the sober St. Patrick's Day movement, this movement outside of the Irish community, uh, of, of just more people, you know, you've got these sober bars and everything else. Talk a little bit about your why and, and this movement beyond. Yeah, well, the why is, is pretty simple. It, it happened one day. Um, and in fact, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you referred to St. Patrick's Day as, you know, it's a zoo. Um, and anyway, so I it was in 2011. Uh, I was um, enjoying the parade outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral, feeling very proud, great marching bands going along and feeling, oh, this is so great. You know, we have such a deep culture. And, and, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this kid, he's about 22 and he was drunk as a skunk, holding a can of beer. And he was with a whole bunch of his friends who were doing the same thing. Now we've all seen that ad nauseum. But what happened in the moment was I, I saw he was wearing a t-shirt and the t-shirt said, St. Patrick's Day today, hungover tomorrow. So I went up to him. I didn't pass judgment. I just said, hey, that's a pretty wild t-shirt. Where'd you get that? And he said, oh man, I bought it in the mall in New Jersey where I live. They sell a million of them. And right then and there, Jim, a light bulb went off. And I said, holy smokes, man. That, that's an, it's amazing because that's what this day has become um, and has been for a long time. And I said, what if Instead, we had a rip-roaring party with world-class entertainment, musicians, singers, storytellers, etc., but just didn't have any booze. 
Because I also knew from a family member that on St. Patrick's Day, people in recovery run for the hills because, you know, it triggers them and it makes, you know, they, they, they freak out because as, as a way, so many other people just don't even come to the city, like you were saying, it's a zoo. Um, and I thought, wow, what if we took that out of it, but also focused on what the day's really supposed to be about? Um, and, uh, and that's how the idea was triggered and, um, no pun intended on the word, but, um, uh, I thought, wow, what an opportunity to, to turn this around. So let's, as I think about it, I mean, I look back to when I was 22, it'd be yeah. a cold day in hell before I went to a sober St. Patrick's Day party, right? And, Me too. And, and I probably wouldn't be wearing a ridiculous t-shirt like that, but because most of the people, I feel like most of the people who are smashed on St. Patrick's Day aren't Irish, but they're, <laughs> they're buying the green t-shirt and drinking the, the green beer, which to this day, I've never had green beer. Um, <laughs> so are you trying to, I mean, I guess there's an audience for this, but it's not just people in recovery. Oh, definitely um, not, right. And are you trying to change Irish culture? Are you trying to change reputation? Are you trying to change mindset? You know, what's your, what's your end game for this? Uh, all of the above. Um, um, the, um, you know, I think that the, the, the reputation is one that we're partially responsible for by, because, you know, I, I agree with it. A lot of people not, who are getting drunk on St. Patrick's Day aren't even Irish, but there are plenty of Irish people who are. But the point is, we as a group of people, particularly Irish Americans, we basically said, ah, it's what everybody does. So we put up with it. And so we perpetuate it. So we're partially at fault here, right? But c'est la vie. Okay. So there's that. There's also... Um, um, trying to spin heads around and getting people to be more aware of what binge drinking, how it's very, very dangerous because there's a slippery slope. Um, and, and, and the problem with binge drinking um, is that we, as a group of people, I believe very strongly, since we see this year in and year, year after year on St. Patrick's Day, say, well, that's what we always do. Get over it. Yeah, they'll sober up. Tomorrow's a new day and they'll be good little boys and girls or older adults. Um, and and um, because addiction is a real slippery slope that, and the word itself is is very unappealing because most people don't want to believe they have a problem um, because, you know, the core of, of addiction is, is denial, you know, oh, I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, I have a lot of drinks every night, but, you know, I show up at work every day, so I'm not one of them. Well, guess what? <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, and, and um, you know, we think of addiction and alcoholism as, oh, you know, the bum down on the Bowery, you know, with the, with the, the paper bag, and I'm not one of them. Well, it takes many forms, uh, but any bet. So, to answer your question is, yeah, we want to change the perception and the experience of what the day is. You know, that's going to take the rest of my life and then some. Yeah. And hopefully whoever takes over St. Patrick's Day long after I'm gone. So let's talk about addiction then, because it's this isn't really an addiction movement. No. Right? I, I think we're defining, you know, the, the things slightly differently. And it's um, so let's talk about binge drinking, because you say it's part of the culture. I agree with that. You know, I grew up Irish American, born in yep. the Bronx, right? New York. Yeah. Uh, Northeast, really. I mean, you got Philadelphia, Boston, right? It's all kind of the same Irish community. Um, and uh, when you think about drinking lightly, it's like a six pack, right? You just, you're not going out for a beer. A beer yep. you say, oh, we'll go out and have a quick one. And that's, you know, six beers and you're fine. You wake up and that's yep. it. It's the next day. Yep. 
when we talk about binge drinking, that's actually binge drinking, just drinking a six pack. And, and when I stopped drinking, I didn't realize how many people just don't drink. Yeah. Um, and so do you define, how do you define binge drinking and, and what do you, you know, to say someone that, to tell someone that you have a drinking problem is yeah, a, no, a big thing. It's really interesting what you just said, because, um, so many people, you know, will drink a six pack and think, well, you know, I do that all the time. It's no big deal. I'm, I'm fine. Um, but it's a sneaky, cunning disease and it, it creeps up on you. Um, and over years, um, uh, the, 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 the effects can, can be such that um, not only are you delusional about how much you can handle, um, but, but the reality is, you know, we don't want to believe, you know, the stuff that, that you know, I, uh, when you get pulled over on the side of the road, you know, to, and, and have an alcohol test and it's, you know, it's 0.08 or I think now it's 0.05, which technically is like a drink and a half. Yeah, yeah. That's considered too much. I remember growing up as a kid, we used to say, oh, I'm just getting high. I'm not, I'm not getting drunk. And, and we actually thought there was a difference. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> um, so um, it, it, it's, um, uh, I think we as a, as a people have a, are a bit confused about what, what is too much. Um, and we, we equate it with, well, if I can handle it and get away with it, uh, it's not a problem or seemingly get away with it because nobody's talking behind my back. Oh, well, Jim has a problem or Bill has a problem. Um, um, because at the core of it is, is um, I'm not one of them uh, and I can handle it when you're not aware of the fact that you're wreaking havoc on your family. <laughs> it's interesting uh, that you say, you know, what people could get away with. Um, and this is just, I mean, I've been thinking a lot just about personal accountability and uh I guess it's, you know, people, it's such a, a, a divisive topic of alcoholism. And to say to someone, hey, I think you're drinking too much is yeah. automatic defensive goes up. Yeah. So people don't say it. So you're not really held accountable because people are uncomfortable holding you accountable. And <laughs> then also, it's almost like you're overstepping your bounds to hold them uh, accountable. How does someone find the appropriate accountability to say, you know what, maybe I do drink too much or maybe, you know, maybe I need to revisit this? Well, you know, that's really well put, Jim. I've never heard it said better. That's, that's oh, fascinating. Well, hey, hey. No, but seriously, you know, it's funny. It reminds me of, of Malachi McCourt, who is a big fan of ours. He's come to most of our parties. And, and Malachi once answered that question the following way. And it's, it's always stuck with me, you know. And then the question was, you know, how do you know if you have a drinking problem, you know? Um, you know, and notice it's not, uh, how do you know if you're an alcoholic? You right. know, that's... How do you know if you had a drinking problem? <laughs> and Malagy said, it's like mice. If you think you have them, you do. <laughs> if you're asking the question, right. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's like when you wake up with a wicked hangover and say, Should I, you know, I, you know well, maybe, maybe but yeah, but I, I got to, I'm okay. No, you got a problem. Right, right, right. Right, right. Interesting. So is this, yeah. so. All right. So now we're talking binge drinking. We're talking culture. We're talking about the way that we just kind of operate. I mean, when I think back to the St. Patrick's days that I've celebrated, yeah, the way to say it, um, it started all day. And when I think just about the culture that I grew up in, right, you've got your hair of the dog. You drink a little too much uh, the night before, so you have a drink in the morning to take the edge off. Uh, yeah. We started St. Patrick's Day. We'll have bangers and cider for breakfast, and then we're gonna go to the heavier stuff later in the day. <laughs> and it's um. And it's just what everybody does. There you go. It's what everybody does so we can do it. Right, right. We, we get licensed to do it. 
Um, tell me about tell me about the party then. So what do people do? Because now I remember the last couple St. Patrick's Day where I just didn't drink. Yeah, and I feel amazing, and you walk around. But I mean, you get a little annoyed walking through Grand Central Terminal, but um, seeing everybody else where you're like these damn kids. Uh, but but you you have a very different experience. So tell me about the party. Tell me about how you celebrate and how. I think a lot of people need to learn how to celebrate something without having that. There, there you go. Because, uh, boy, there you go. Because so many people who love to drink, whether they have a problem or not, you know, will frequently say, I just can't imagine. There's no way I'm going to stop drinking forever, you know, because that, that's just inconceivable, you know, that I would never drink again. So, of course, I'll continue to drink. And therein lies, you know, the problem of, and it's how at the core of recovery for people in recovery, you know, the notion of one day at a time. I mean, people who are true alcoholics who belong to, you know, organizations like AA, you know, there's a reason why a lot of AA meetings are held at 530, 6 o'clock at night, because it's cocktail hour. And the notion of you just need to stay sober today. Mm -hmm. And because all there is is today. So it's the one day at a time thing. But getting back to your question, um, you know, the, the, um, the thing about our party that's interesting is that it's probably the only major event in New York where there's this amazing confluence of people who come together um, and um, are in a room with each other that they have rarely have ever been in um, close contact with each other. So, I mean, our party consists of an amazing mix of people of just families and kids who just want to be safe and have a good time because quite frankly, there is so, there's really no place to go on St. Patrick's Day as a family because all the bars are such a zoo. Um, so there's that group of people. And then there's people like you and me, Jim, who just, you know, have discovered, you know, the fact that drinking may be a bit of a problem. Uh, and I just decided I'm not going to do it anymore and really focus on, because I believe the Irish people are the friendliest and the most giving people on the planet, you know, and that to really enjoy who we are as a people um, and the core of our party is that it's intergenerational, um, just the way Irish traditional music and dance is probably the most intergenerational art form in the world. You know, you can have kids at a Cali who are six to people who are 96 having a good old time. So, and then you've got people in recovery who, as I said earlier, you know, they run for the hills on St. Patrick's Day and they're, they're, they would, they love to be able to celebrate their Irishness, um, but in a healthy way. And so part of the other thing that I think you were hitting on in terms of the sober movement, it has to do with health consciousness. It has to do with, um, you know, the, 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 um, the wish for, for so many more people to be more genuine and real. There's a mindfulness aspect to it as well. There's, a, there's, there's the obvious overall sense of, of, of health. So our party, I was really lucky the first year um, in that when I reached out to um, getting some entertainment for the party, so many of these world-class musicians that we have, like, like John Whalen, who's a seven-time All-Ireland button accordion player, and Brian Conway, who's a five-time All-Ireland fiddle player, and Donnie Carroll, who's beloved by the community, and Donnie Goldman's uh, dancers, you know, hands down the best, you know, Irish dancing company in the Northeast. They all said, wow, we would love to do this because Traditionally on St. Patrick's Day, when we do gigs, nobody's listening to us in the bars because it's so crazy. And so the spirit of the party is really to listen and partake in how um, intergenerational and fun Irish music and dance is. Um, and um, it's, a, it's, a, 
it's, uh, it, it sounds to a lot of people, well, that wouldn't be any fun because I'm not able to, to drink. Um, and that is the great paradox um, behind the whole sober movement, which really has to do with honesty. It really has to do with honesty. Yeah, it has to do with honesty. Honesty with who? Honesty with yourself? Honesty with yourself that, that, that you want to be more real. Honesty um, with the person you're intimate with, uh, who you really want to be true and, and, and genuine with, as opposed to being um, uh, charming, which you can so frequently be when you've had a few, um, that there's an unreality to that. There's a BS aspect to, to, to all of that. But we live in delusion because, you know, particularly among so many Irish, we're good at this. We're really good at being friendly and with each other and think that that's frequently predicated upon, you know, being loose by a, a few. Um, but the problem with a few is that a few becomes too many. And, and that's what people also don't want to believe. Um, and, and, and therein lies, you know, we can talk about the science if you want, in terms of, of how particularly in the last 15 years, binge drinking among young people has really begun to soar. And St. Patrick's Day is only one day in the year where, where that takes place. You know, when I was a kid, we would go out and we'd drink, you know, we'd go to the bars and we'd have a great old time, right? But, you know, today, a lot of the kids on campuses, you know, they, they load up before they go out because it's so expensive at the bars, you know? Yeah, so they do I, remember, I mean, we're just talking about St. Patrick's Day. I remember it was like, that's what you do on Saturdays. You start drinking yes. in the <laughs> afternoon, right? right? And they say, all right, we'll go to the bar, you know, when, when right. we've got a nice buzz going and it's, it'll be all right. right. Yeah, um, yeah. And so do you, so I don't know, I mean, you, you're probably more in the community than, than I am, but do you see, uh, I know you're not a teetotaler, I know you're not like the, the type of person who says like never drink, but do you see people drinking more with the COVID thing? And do you see oh. more like, you know, what, what have you seen from that perspective? Well, the scary thing about that is just the way binge drinking among young people has changed radically in the last 10 or 15 years, year round, uh, in COVID, you know, there's been an enormous uptick of, of, of um, not only of, of, of drinking, but also of, of, of abuse. Um, and, and by the way, on St. Patrick's Day, you know, the incidences of date rape go way up. You know, and also, you know, it, emergency rooms, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and we all, we all say, well, that's what everybody is. Well, so what, right? Well, right. It, because it's a slippery slope, you know, when you cross over into addiction, see, that's, that's where you get into the brain stuff. Um, and there is actually what happens is that your brain does change and mm -hmm. that um, you literally get to the point where you become um, a, 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 a addicted. Um, and that's then something that you, unfortunately, um, your brain has been rewired for the rest of your life. Um, and... Um, Anyway, so to get back to your, your, your question, I, I think that um, in COVID, um, we've also seen a big uptick um, in uh, divorce and in family um, violence. Um, and a lot of that is predicated upon the uptick in drinking. Now, you can, you can easily see why, um, unfortunately, because, uh, but I think particularly among the Irish, it may be greater. Because, you know, I think you, you said it best before. You know, we, we drink when we're happy, we drink when we're sad. We, and therefore we drink every day, usually, because that's what you do. That's what we, you know. And the problem is when two a day suddenly becomes three and then suddenly becomes six, um, uh, it will only get worse. Um, and, and then that's, again, what, what most people don't want to believe, that for them, 
you know, that's not the case. It's the old, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere, right? The yeah, problem yeah. is we're not on vacation all the time. So that's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the rough part. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Right. So that's good. So, I mean, interesting on uh, just the, the crime that happens, the, the, I mean, things like date rape and all the, these horrific things. You think back yeah. to Hoboken canceling their parade years ago. Yeah. But your party isn't just in New York. I know we're talking very New York centric because that's where we are. Yes. You're global. Yeah, we, well, so the first year we did it in New York, we sold out in advance. Um, um, and we've always sold out in advance in New York. But after the first year, word began to spread. In fact, Martino Malia, the publisher of the Irish Echo, and um, who, who then subsequently became the Lord Mayor of Belfast, I approached him and he said, I love this idea. I'd like you to meet the members of the Belfast City Council. Um, and I did. And I went over and uh, Belfast for a number of years has had a huge party for the entire city immediately following their parade, but didn't have alcohol. And they really latched on to sober St. Patrick's Day. And so that was uh, the beginning of the growth of this movement. And but the beauty of 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 the idea, I believe, is that it can be done very simply. Um, for instance, the second year, not only did Belfast do it, but also little tiny Casper, Wyoming, I kid you not, came out of the blue and approached us on our website and said, yeah, we would love to do this. And they did it in a hall with some Irish dancers with 75 people. Um, but, you know, so it can be done very small, depending upon what your wishes are in your community, um, or it can be done very lavish and very, very big. Um, and so, you know, we grew to Philadelphia and then Richmond, Virginia, and this year we're gonna be in Mystic, Connecticut. Um, we're also in West Warwick, Rhode Island. Um, Dublin has now one as well. Um, but the key that for, for us um, is that we only do these parties on the day of the parade itself. And as you know, that in other cities, particularly in the United States, a lot, of the, a lot of the parades are not held on the 17th anymore. They're usually mm -hmm. held on the weekend before or the weekend after. So, um, because the, the whole purpose of, the, of our party is to be the alternative party amidst mm -hmm. all the insanity going on elsewhere in the city, usually right after the parade. That's great. So it's expanding. I guess it's just anybody could do it. It's a celebration and I guess you just provide, I mean, if there's someone who wants to set up one of your parties, Yes. You just give it's, them it, the framework. It's just a... We do. We do. And the website is, which is SoberStPatrick'sDay.org, um, just ST, no dot, SoberStPatrick'sDay.org, it has all the guidelines. And we will also help you, in other words, because um, uh, whether that's finding some Irish musicians for you. But the key is, um, it, we always believe in starting small, um, but, uh, and it's a combination of just taking advantage of our experience, because we're a, a pretty good event producers, and, and following the guidelines. There's a very, very modest um, licensing fee. And the reason for that is we don't want people to rip this off and start making money off of it, because always our tickets are very low price, so anyone can go. So we want to make this as user-friendly and, um, for, you know, poor people and for anyone who wants to be able to, to have a party. So um, we, we just carefully guard our name, which, by the way, is trademarked. I mean, Sober St. Patrick's Day is a trademark thing. You can't have a Sober St. Patrick's Day party technically without our permission. Now, we only do that because we don't want somebody to rip it off. Um, and also, we want to protect the integrity of the brand. Um, but, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, there are tons of in the last 10 years that we've been in existence, there's no doubt there are many parties that have been created that are using our model and we're all for it and are either just not calling it Sober St. Patrick's Day or maybe they are, 
technically that's not appropriate, but that's not terribly so important to us. Right, right, right. We're far more interested in spreading the concept. That's great. Excellent. Yeah. So now you are, um, let's talk about what's next for you. 2011 is when it started, right? You're coming up on yes, 10 right. years. No, no, 2012 is when it started. I had the idea in 2011. And, um, and then I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could do that? And then I uh, approached a, a few people and uh, well, I'll tell you, so I approached a few people, I raised some money um, and then I got really serious about it in January of 2012. Um, and um, I brought together a group of people and said, look, I've raised a little bit of money and I need to raise a little bit more by, and I'm giving myself until January 25th um, to raise the final bit of money. And, and sure enough, um, uh, I didn't have it all on January 24th, but on the 25th, I got the final money and I kid you not, Jim, then I had a real problem because now I had the money, right? Which is not a lot, but I had, had the money to do it. I didn't have a venue. I hadn't sold the ticket. I didn't have a musician. I didn't have a dancer. I had nothing but an idea. And, and no six weeks Kenny. until St. Patrick's Day. Good luck seven finding weeks. a place to have a party on St. Patrick's Day. There you go. <laughs> it was seven weeks. So Noel Kilgendy said to me, you sure you want to do this? And I said, I really do, Noel. I just feel in my gut, you know, this is right to do. And then I just went to work. And the Red Sea parted, man. People came out of the woodwork. Um, I got Regis High School, which was right at the end of the parade up on 83rd and Park, which was the perfect place for it. Um, and, you know, we got these great musicians and dancers. And I remember it was the, the uh, um, day and a half before the, 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 the 17th of March. And I called Noel and I said, Noel, I just want to let you know we're sold out. <laughs> so he came and he brought the, the minister um, from Ireland with him, um, uh, Gene Burton, um, who just said, wow, this is incredible. I would love to bring this, well, this should spread back to Ireland. So anyway, that's, that's, that's what that was about. That's awesome. So how can, so put in all your plugs. How can people find you? Well, we're going to post everything on bellwetherhub.com. Oh, for those great, just listening you. in the car, uh, how do people find you, everything that you've got? Sure. Well, I, you know, as I said, the website is, is, um, is, is, is a good one. It lists everything you need to know about how to do it. And more importantly, I would recommend anybody who has doubts about this and I, there will always be many, um, uh, but just take a look at the short video. It's on our homepage. It's the first video. Um, and it's a, it's a five minute video and it gives you a much better sense of what the party's like, but also the who and the why and the what of it, but more the why of it, I should say. Um, and that'll give you a taste of it. Um, so it's soberstpatricksday.org. Um, and it also, you know, lists, you know, who we are as, as people. Um, we also, um, um, you know, are very keen on not only the quality of the talent we have at the party, but if somebody wants to do their own, um, you know, there's a certain page that says, you know, to host a party. And there are guidelines that, that explain it right there and, and what you need to do and how will help. Um, but as I said, you know, it can be done really small. Um, and it's kind of finding somebody who um, wants to throw the party. Parish halls are great places to do it because frequently parishes have, you know, volunteers and people who might want to help. Um, and um, you know, we've done it the last several years downtown on purpose to kind of, because part of our mission is to reclaim the true spirit of the day and to go back to really on what the day was originally created for. So we actually do it on the very street where the first St. Patrick's Day parade kicked off down on Mulberry Street at the old St. Patrick's Cathedral um, downtown. Um, and um, 
So, but again, it, it's, it's all on the website. That's, that's probably the, 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 the best place to go. And my email is really easy. It's just bill at SoberStPatrick'sDay.org. Awesome. Great. Uh, I always wrap up every interview asking for a book recommendation. Um, a book recommendation? A book recommendation. Do you have a book that you could recommend for anybody, either that you're reading now or you find interesting um, or something that might uh, get some Yeah, Yeah, this, this is out of left field. Uh, it's, I, I read it every day. It's a book called Blessed Among Us by Robert Ellsberg. Robert Ellsberg um, was very close to Dorothy Day um, and is the son um, uh, of Daniel Ellsberg of the Pentagon Papers. <laughs> uh, and it's a book called Blessed Among Us. And it's um, uh, uh, every day of the year, there's a different uh, famous person or saint or blessed person in it. And they're all incredible role models. Um, uh, and in fact, he, he there are two each day. So there's what, 730 of them in this book. It's called Blessed Among Us by Robert Ellsberg. And, and for me, you know, St. Patrick, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm huge on who he was. And in this day and age, you know, I mean, it's amazing how many people don't even know St. Patrick wasn't even Irish. And also the fact that he was a slave, you know, and in this day and age of what's going on in the zeitgeist, the fact that the guy was supposedly celebrating that day, remember who he is, um, was a runaway slave. I mean, just, just think of that. He was a runaway slave who went back and then changed the whole hearts and minds of the people. Um, think of Harriet, if Harriet Tubman you know, the great runaway slave here in America, when she went back down south and it changed the hearts and minds of people. Well, that's what he did. And so that's another reason why we want to raise awareness of who he was. Excellent. Very good. Bill, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate great. it. And I, I love the idea of just thinking differently and questioning the assumptions that we always make in St. Patrick's Day is uh, it's the biggest yeah. day. So it's, uh, I always love to see people trying to do good things and, and helping people out. So thank you. For well, great. Time. We'll come to the party this year. <laughs> I'll be there. As long as it's not great. as crowded as the bars in New York city, we'll see. I mean, you gotta like limit the tickets, uh, but at least people won't be bumping into me. So that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, one day at a time, Jim. <laughs> one day at a time. Right, right, right. Uh, so thank you, Bill and everybody uh, listening. All the info is on bellwetherhub.com. Uh, I'll post info on SoberStPatrick'sDay.org and, and more information on that, as always, some upcoming events on BellWeatherHub.com. So, Bill, thank you, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks, Jim. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at BellWeatherHub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon.